What's up, bikers? Episode 147. Today's guest is Outside Brendan. If you haven't seen him on Instagram or TikTok, you can also find him on YouTube. And he's essentially a mountain bike inventor of things. That's the way that I, I explained him in the in the show notes. But um, you'll see. If you have if you're familiar with him already, right on. You're, you'll get to know him a little better today. Before we get started, thank you to everybody on Patreon. Um, really appreciate all of you that have been helping support the channel. Those of you guys that left, I appreciate you too. But it happens. And um, I just want to like ask you guys that if you'd like to, if you enjoy the content and you want to keep seeing it and you want to help out, just swing by Patreon. It's as little as a buck a month. You could do five bucks a month, put some beer in the fridge, help pay for some lighting and some all the things. There's all these things that always are coming up hosting for you know you have to pay to have your your podcast like pushed out to places and web hosting oh there's all this stuff it's it's like when i first started youtube i just thought all i needed was a gopro and and youtube's free right but here we are, here i am like five years later begging you guys to help me out on patreon no the reason i i like you guys on patreon being the the supporters is honestly it it just makes me feel better to have supporters that are listeners rather than, you know, some company that's telling me what I have to say or whatever. So I'm sure someday, maybe if we get enough of you guys to go swing by the Apple podcast and write a five-star review, maybe if there's enough of you guys doing that, I'll just be making so much money, it's getting so many offers from all these like sponsors. Then I'll be like, you know what? All you guys on Patreon just quit today. But until then, please help me out, man. Honestly, it keeps the show going. So I really appreciate all you guys on there. Um, those of you guys want to do something for free, swing by Facebook or Instagram. Give me a follow over there. I'm always uh, releasing new little tidbits of things that's going on. Like there may be a picture of a new bike coming up here soon. So you'll see that there first. If you um, are on Patreon, you already know what I'm talking about. So there's also like they get the the exclusive exclusive. So anyways, I'm going to go ahead and bring Brendan back on and we'll get, we'll get to chatting. So what's up, dude? Hey, Robert, how are you? Oh man, I'm living the dream. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me on. This is, this is awesome. I'm psyched. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really fun to, to talk to other creators because um, then it, that I know that you at least have the ability to gab about something. So sometimes oh, yeah. I reach out to these, 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 uh, these companies and like, I have never spoke to the marketing person or the person that is the founder ever, you know? And so the first conversation is usually like right here. And then you're like, man, this could be difficult today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this, this is the first time we've talked uh, kind of in person, right? We've just been messaging. So it's cool to hear your voice. Yeah. 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 For sure, man. So, um, you are a Instagram, TikTok primarily influencer. Is that what you call it? What do you call yourself? Well, I guess that would have been the case a while ago. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I always say I'm a product designer in the outdoor industry. Um, uh -huh. But normally my, uh, my product that I'm selling is my videos about kind of product design from a more uh -huh. whimsical uh, standpoint. So it's like teaching product design with like sort of silly or unnecessary or just ridiculous creations that go mostly with your bike. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I, you're you're a mountain biker, right? Mountain biker, primarily. Yeah. Do you ride other other um, disciplines as well? Or yeah, I mean, I do a bit of I do a bit of gravel riding, and uh, when I was living in Toronto, I was like big into the uh, cargo bike thing. Like uh, that, uh -huh. that was a lot of fun. But yeah, mostly mostly a mountain bike guy. 
I used to race uh, slalom and downhill a lot. So um, oh, right kind of retired from that now. But uh, retired. How, how old are you? I'm uh, 32. 32, man. Getting up there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. So where are you located? You're in Canada still or? Uh, no, right now I'm in uh, Southern California. Moved out here for my wife's. My wife got a kick-ass job near LA. So moved out here oh, for right. a bit. I told her we could move anywhere that wasn't Ohio, basically. No offense to anyone who's from Ohio, but I lived there for a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, but before that I was in uh, in Toronto for like five years. And that's, um, I actually started the channel like a year and a half ago, two years ago, before we left Toronto. So I got my start uh, making making videos, making bike videos in Toronto. Right on. Are, are you Canadian or are you, did you just end up there some other way? So that's actually like part of the origin story of my channel. So my wife's, my wife's Canadian and uh -huh. uh, we got married like a month before uh, COVID lockdowns started. Uh -huh. So um, I ended up, moving up to Canada, like a couple days before they closed the border. At this point, uh -huh. I was still just a, no Canadian status, right? I was just a visitor. Right. So they closed the border. If I had gone back to the US, I uh, wouldn't have been able to get back to Canada. And then right after that, um, we found out that my wife had um, thyroid cancer, which she's fully recovered from now. But I was like, no way am I going to go back and not see her for who knows how long, which turned out to be right. like a year, I wouldn't have seen her. Anyway, I was working in aviation. I quit my quit my job uh, in aviation, basically. And uh, I've always wanted to get into making videos and sharing more of my like engineering kind of nerdy side online. And uh, so I started doing that. That was like, yeah, you know, maybe two years ago, I learned how to learned how to edit and film and make do a voiceover and all that right, stuff right. that goes along with making short form video. Uh, and yeah. And, goes on from there yeah yeah so what's your background you're you're like a just a like a structural engineer or something or my, my uh under, my undergrads in mechanical engineering uh did my master's in biology so kind of a mixed mixed background right yeah where, where, where'd you grow up at i grew up uh upstate new york oh okay yeah i'm from pennsylvania originally so oh nice yeah nice. yeah I went back recently or over the summer, you know how guys are like time is like, oh yeah, it was yesterday. No, that was six months ago, dude. <laughs> yeah, I went back over the summer and it was the first time I've ridden mountain bikes back home in like like 30 years. And uh, it really kind of blew my mind, man. It was just like- Where'd you, Where did you ride? Um, do you know where Caledonia is? Oh, in Pennsylvania, no. Yeah, it's kind of no. like east or I'm sorry, west of like, of Harrisburg. So Harrisburg's kind of like in the middle, almost the center of the state. We'll just call it that. So, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was like, uh, right by where the Appalachian trail goes, goes through. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. 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 I was actually stopped and took some pictures of the Appalachian trail sign and like put my bike on there and made it look like I was riding it. And, I used to love going to, um, blue mountain. If you, if you remember blue mountain, no, it, was big, no. uh, it was like a open it was only open for a few years but it was an amazing downhill place in uh oh, right on. in pennsylvania they had a jump over a school bus which was sick oh nice and then it closed down right on so how'd you get into riding what, what how old were you when you did that uh little kid i used to ride bmx a lot um mm -hmm. just in the town where i grew up and i think my my dad got me my first bike my first like mountain bike it was like a 
was it one of those Haro dirt jumpers? Yeah. Like, sometime in sometime like early high school, I got like uh -huh. my first dirt jumper. And I got, right. me, got me really into mountain biking. And I watched like all the New World Disorder videos and just like couldn't <laughs> get enough of it. So then like my first chance to race really was um, when I went to when I went to university and uh, yeah. just started doing slalom and downhill there. You're, you're, a, a, little, you're a little younger than me. I'm, I'm like 15 years older than you. But um, it's interesting to me that you were saying that you were into BMX when you were younger. Like when I was... Um, let's just say like middle school or whatever, like BMX was pretty popular because there was like movies about it. And like, it was like the thing, you know, like it was like the thing to do. And I feel like after a little bit after that, like it, it didn't become as like cool. I don't know, like skateboarding came out and rollerblading and stuff like that. So I, I, how did you get into like BMX? Was it just like riding around in your neighborhood and then it's like, okay, well, it's a good or question. Really I, did, I just really love dirt jumping. And like back in 2007, like dirt jumpers were kind of just hitting the scene. Like they were still sort of weird geometry. The yeah. seats didn't go low enough. Like suspension was finicky. And so BMX bikes, like as a kid, I didn't have a lot, I didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, it was just yeah. like, well, what's a bike that I can ride and smash yeah. the heck out of and it's not gonna break and it's cheap get like yeah. get a bmx bike yeah 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 that's rad man i feel like it's just such a good skill builder bmx such yeah. so many good foundational skills from come from riding bmx hitting up a skate park hitting dirt jumps yeah 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 Can't when i it. when i was riding bmx it was like probably closer to like kind of dirt jumpy kind of stuff just because like that's what we did like there was like you know there's this dirt trail that went through this park or this like spot where you could hit this like jump that was essentially a big ass tabletop going over an alleyway or something like that you know and yeah and we would just ride around town like going to all these different things and it wasn't necessarily that we thought about it as like anything more than just riding bike you know what i mean oh yeah for sure yeah yeah but it now it's free, like, it was just freestyle Right, right, right. But now it's like it's a full on like it's a thing, you know, <laughs> like yeah, specific bikes and you know bike parks. Man, if they had a bike park like they have now when I was a kid, oh my god, I don't think I would have ever left that place. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So, yeah. um, so you get into riding and into racing, and and um later on you find yourself in canada and covid what what uh what did you you when you started your your like creating were you thinking that did you have the idea kind of pinned down or did you start with something else or how did it go uh you know i always liked kind of i always liked product design i was always very interested in it and i was like simultaneously very frustrated by a lot of the marketing in the mountain bike industry so i would often think of like when i especially when i'm out for a ride just think of ridiculous things i can make for my bike to like uh -huh. fix very specific problems like um the one i just made the other day was using the excess light for my uh uh my headlight on my bike to warm up a cookie yeah um, i saw that that was pretty but, yeah. <laughs> and then one day i i saw an ad, I think this was the impetus for the channel. It was uh, like ceramic speed or something. They were advertising mm -hmm. a more aerodynamic derailleur cage. Yeah. 
And I was just like, oh man, this is like, just, I, I know it like, it solves a problem, but I feel like it's just one or two people in the entire world that really need a more aerodynamic derailleur cage. And so I just right. started making like these fake ads and they really took off and tried. So I tried to just start making them more and more engaging and like each one I'd kind of add on and maybe make a little bit more complex kind of product and try to learn something new each time. Um, like the one that I was storing snacks in my steer tube was like the first time I had 3D designed and 3D printed thread. So I'm like trying to learn something each time and maybe add mm -hmm. a little bit something to my uh, design portfolio with each new invention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just learned how to do threads the other day too. And um, apparently they're a lot easier to do when they're big. <laughs> yeah, they are. Or you have to bring the layer heights down really small. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I was trying to to keep from going down the 3D printing rabbit hole in this podcast as long as possible because I know there's like a million things I want to talk about on that. So <laughs> I feel like so more you, and more people in the bike industry are getting 3D printers, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, a beautiful, so, beautiful thing to have in your garage. Yeah, I'm. I think one of the things that I thought was the coolest when I first started like researching, like, 3D printing was. You know, like these people that have invented, like, are bringing out these different brand printers. Like the way that they envision the future is like, you go to Amazon and you buy a, a WYSIWYG and then you hit buy and it like poops out of your printer. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like say like, you're like, oh, I want some new GoPro mounts, you know, and you go to Amazon, you go, and then it like, you know, and I'm sure they'll have some super like put together printer that's all branded with all their shit. and gives them all kinds of metadata about you and your life. But uh, yeah, that's really cool to think about, you know, like a world like that. I mean, it's not quite like the, the I don't know what it is on Star Trek when they push the button and like the food comes out, but like, it's similar, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I sure. think you the can, part like, download a knob for your, you can, you can download all sorts of spare parts these days, you know? And yeah. I mean, there's like a billion and... things out there for free that it's just like, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you don't realize how big the community is and how much like how much you can do with it until you have one. You know? Yeah. And I think the uh, the the cool thing about 3D printing is in my, my background, I, I was a machinist for quite a while. And uh, most of this, I feel like most of the skill there, most of the time you spend building machining skills is working with the actual machines, the mills and the lathes. And, um, you know, most, most machinists are learning on manual machines. So you spend a lot of time with feeds and speeds and, uh, setup and tooling, but for people who are coming from, uh, a world where they have a lot of digital skills, digital drawing, they're used to manipulating things on a screen. A 3d printer is a fantastic way to really take advantage of those digital skills and make them into turn something that you want and make it into a physical object without having to know too much about you know, your CNC mill that will like shoot a hole through your garage ceiling if you, <laughs> if you mess something up in the settings, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, it's, what do they call it? Uh, additive creating instead of, uh, additive manufacturing. Yeah. Additive, that's it. Yeah. Instead of the, um, opposite, whatever that word is right now, I'm drawing a blank with, with uh, machining, like you're taking materials out. So there's some things that you can't do, like 
you can't put a hole there because you can't do that without you know a drill bit coming from some angle and with the oh yeah i love stuff like that like so i just this was this thing i made for my bike that holds like the planter on the front of my handlebar and uh i don't know if you can see this but like the zip tie you can like take a zip tie and slide it in through this hole and it like comes out the other side right there and like yeah so basically hole around a curve that would literally it would be impossible to machine that yeah um yeah the only way you would be able to do it with 3d printers Right. I mean, or it'd be a lot more work. It would be several pieces there and then you'd have to like cut it down the middle and then yes. machine out the little route that you have for the zip tie and then now figure out how to stick it all back together. You know, yeah. like exactly. Yeah. 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 No, it's really, it's really rad. And it's um I don't know that like in my mind, whenever I first bought a 3D printer, I wanted to make some like GoPro mounts for my bike that I actually haven't never made like things that would be like, Oh, I want to put a camera here in this specific spot. And I want it to be like, you know, stable, something like that. And I want it to be small. Right. So like something like that was something I thought I was going to make. And I also want to make a new, um, GoPro mount, like SD kind of thing. And I started designing that, but then I just got stuck in this world of like, realizing how many things that i could create that i didn't really know that i needed you know what i mean oh yeah and it's like the silliest thing it's like this camera that i'm i'm talking into right now like whenever i i have this little kind of camera stand on it and i was like man it would be nice if this was like three inches taller so what do you do you just print a base you know now you're like boom now it's three inches taller you know yeah yeah for sure yeah. So, um, what, what's your inspiration? So, you you made a a peanut butter stirrer on one of your videos. That's pretty. Um, apparently, that was polarizing to some people. It was polarizing. Yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> well, it was. There was a lot of reasons that made that why why it was polarizing. Number one was a lot of people have never stirred peanut butter, so I guess everybody's just buying like that the GIF, you know, like super cheap <laughs> peanut butter with the. Uh, hydrogenated oils no hate on anybody here that likes you know jiff peanut butter but you gotta you gotta try some uh, natural peanut butter sometime but anytime you open that that stuff up you gotta you gotta stir it because the oil's on top and the peanuts are on the right. bottom and it's a pain in the ass to stir i, I mean you probably know like the oil yeah. spills out it's like so hard anyway i just opened a thing of peanut butter and i was like wow it'd be great if i could just like go ride my bike and spin this thing around using the power from my front wheel. And so I just made a little mount to spin her up and, uh, and that was it. Yeah. And then, so what was it that was polarizing people? Oh, well that, and then people were saying that it wouldn't actually mix it because it's a centrifuge. There's like some arguments in the, in the comments there about, about that. Um, and actually just to be a bit of a troll, I actually used in the video, a jar of no stir peanut butter. So when you at the end of the video, when I'm showing the jar, it says like no stir creamy peanut butter. So there was a lot of comments about that. Um, yeah. But uh, it was this. It was the hole in the middle, like the hollow hole down the center of the peanut butter. Uh, and um, I don't know. I don't know how. I, I don't know how like family friendly the show is. Oh, uh, you but, can say whatever you want, man. It's so more. there was like literally. <laughs> I don't maybe not thousands. There was almost a thousand comments of people talking about 
sticking their dick in the peanut butter. <laughs> which I just didn't, I truly did not see that coming. Um, it's a You're weird, like, it seemed very bizarre to me. Right. <laughs> but apparently people like to do that. That's a thing, huh? Apparently that's a thing. Well, son of a bitch, man. We never we we could be missing something special right now. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound that great to me, but uh, no. you know, whatever no, whatever trips your trigger out there, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um <laughs> that's hilarious. I have a video that I made a like a, a little bat kind of joke in similar to that with peanut butter and uh my friends and I are always joking around about, you know, like getting your dog to, to lick your peanut butter off or wherever. And so like, I have this one video where I, it, the whole thing's a spoof on like how to be like a su successful YouTuber. And <laughs> like one part of the video I'm talking about, like you need, you need to wake, make sure you wake up early and like my alarm's going off in the video and I'm just hitting snooze and like continuing to sleep and sitting on my, my nightstand is a big thing of peanut butter and my dog's in bed with me. And there's like, he's got oh, this toy that looks like a dildo, but it's not, it's just like a big fucking dog toy. And that's like in the bed too. And I was thinking that people were going to blow up on it. And I don't think many people caught the joke at all. <laughs> you know, I find the more work I put into a, a joke, the less, you know, it's, it's the yeah. subtle things. It's always the subtle yeah. things. And, uh, I yeah, find that was me. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I just find the people in the comments are way funnier than me usually. And yeah. uh, it's always, always cracks me up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that wasn't even like something that I was trying to get like a, a big, it was like one of those things that you just kind of do in the background to see if people catch and uh, didn't, didn't land. I was surprised. So, but anyways, so what, a, what, a, what, what platforms are you primarily creating on now? Well, it started out on Instagram and then I I started out on TikTok maybe two months after I started on Instagram. That that got that kind of grew really quickly and then it sort of leveled off. Um, and lately uh, most of my views have been coming from YouTube shorts. Oh, However, okay. the biggest like community builder is still Instagram, where I like yeah see the same group of people in the comments a lot and I get a lot of great messages on there. It's, it's just a nice, it's a nice place for me. It's where most people kind of contact me or um, share, reshare my, my stuff. Um, but definitely most views on, on YouTube shorts in the last couple how, of months. How, days. how, like, how viral has one, how many views have, what's like your, your video with the most views on it? Oh, the most views? I think it's the um, I think it's the bike the one where I put a winch on the front of my bike and that's somewhere up around 12 million views. Oh wow! But I think yeah, you're like rubbing on your usually shirt. Like see that. around around uh, 800 thousand views a day on YouTube Shorts right now, which is pretty Good wild. Lord. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it didn't send. I think your mic. You, are you wearing a lav mic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's rubbing on your jacket whenever you're... Oh, sorry running. about that. Is that better now? Yeah, yeah, sorry. it's fine. I was just letting you know. Um, that's crazy, 12 million. I had a little Instagram reel that I made. We did this Halloween ride, and my buddy was dressed up like this white trash guy. 
and he had this prosthetic set of nuts that was like hanging out the bottom of his jean shorts and they looked really real like like they had hair on them and everything right and uh so i just had this like little pan of like everybody on the halloween ride all dressed up and you know i used one of those like you know i saw that i think yeah and i had no it was like earlier this year yeah oh okay and i um it had like three three million views within like it was a pretty short amount of time and it was like super fun watching it grow but ultimately i got taken down because of they were saying it was nudity i'm like it's not nudity because of the nuts because of the nuts that's too bad. You can't have any like body parts apparently on Instagram. TikTok took it down in like 60 seconds, man. They weren't even fooling around. <laughs> YouTube left it up, just has zero views. It's like, you know, 500. Meanwhile, it's like 1 million, 2 million over on Instagram. Like, this is freaking crazy. It's, it's really interesting, like, how different, like, a different platform will do an exact same video. Totally. I, um, TikTok has a really short lifespan. I mean, you have like a couple days with that piece of content and then pretty much nobody's going to see it anymore unless it's super, super viral. Like I have a couple on TikTok that have maybe 15 or 20 million views and people still, and that, that, that was from like a year ago and I still get notifications from them once in a while. Most stuff, most like my average video on TikTok is maybe like a two day lifespan. Instagram wow. seems to like, strike a pretty good balance between lifespan and reach where like usually I don't get a lot of attention the first one or two days on a video. It's like my core audience that I really love interacting with. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a week later it starts to grow and then it'll grow for a couple of weeks. And that's what I normally see with my Instagram reels. And then um, YouTube is like, you never know. Like yeah. I have shorts right now that, didn't do anything for the first six months. Um, like literally <laughs> like a hundred views and now they're just taking off. So that's really strange. Yeah. I really don't understand the YouTube thing. Like for me, the YouTube, and I think they're changing this. I saw some, some conversation about this, but like, I think for that short, con- that short um, kind of video stuff, content, that having that like trending audio or things of that nature, like I think really helped push it and the way, and, and that it's like, you know, I'm like, it's licensed music. Yeah. And I think that without that on YouTube shorts, I think I personally feel like that hinders it from like growing in the same kind of manner. Yeah. Do I don't really use, the tra- I, I try to avoid trending audio because I, number one, I hate hearing the same sound over and over and over again <laughs> for like this, for a week, right? You hear just, you just right. hear the same sound over and over. It drives me nuts. Right. Yeah. Like um, right now it's Joe Rogan saying, you know, when you're 30, you don't have to be, you, you don't have to be old. You can, you can still do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, dude, I've seen this on every video now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I try to use, I have like maybe a, uh, a set of like 10, songs that i kind of reuse over and over again um and i'm just used to like editing that beat and uh kind of like usually the hip-hop or rock influence but sometimes i use some like stuff from the instagram music library but um it gets shut down in different countries and i have a pretty Mm -hmm. global audience so i hate when like everyone in the uk is messaging me like dude i can't hear the sound on your video 
Because when you use a sound that gets shut down in a specific country, it's not that they just can't hear the song. They also can't hear my voice. Oh, um, so it kind of ruins the whole video. So I've learned my lesson there. And I pretty much just use um, unlicensed, like from my Epidemic Music account. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much use Epidemic except for an Instagram. Like I'll, I'll definitely use like music on Instagram just because like it's fun to put like ACDC on something instead of, you know, some rock song that nobody's ever heard of you know what i mean yeah it is it is yeah yeah so but yeah that's interesting um are you happy with epidemic uh yeah i like it i feel like they get they get better all the time yeah the thing that i notice is that i'll spend like an hour going down some like search term rabbit hole and find some song and then produce that video and then in the next like two weeks one of my friends will have the same song on theirs <laughs> i'll be like how the hell did we both get to that song that's what i don't understand now i'm at the point where i i see um people using my like my audio on different instagram videos which is pretty funny yeah i see a totally unrelated video and just like outside brendan audio original audio that's like, oh, yeah kind of like i it. wonder how epidemic like handles that you, you know what I mean? Like, like they only handle it on my account. Like yeah. when someone reuses it, I don't think it, I don't think there's any real way for them to like chase it down against Instagram's policies or with. Yeah, Instagram no, policy. I mean like in terms of like, of the, like the artist, right? So like if oh, you're yeah. the artist and you make this like rad song and outside Brendan uses it and then all of a sudden like it goes viral and there's like, five million people using his audio if i was that dude i'd be kind of like what the fuck man i'm not getting money you know what i mean yeah i mean i gotta be honest i'm really ignorant of how the licensing works with with epidemic yeah. Yeah, i don't even too. know who's like i've never even heard of someone who writes music for a service like epidemic are these real they people or just, are they just, yeah like, it's like chat gpt are they just ai generated songs that epidemic <laughs> yeah. found I, like, I honestly don't know. Are these real, no, real just people writing music? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's people making writing music. My assumption is that um, they're probably selling the song and they're not getting any kind of royalty. I'm so guessing they, that if that's the case, they probably sell it for a one-time fee, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that would be my assumption, but I don't know. I guess you it would be cool if you were like, dude, I'm on the most popular trending audio on Instagram right now. I wrote that, sold it for $5. <laughs> <laughs> Now everybody knows that jingle, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a rabbit hole we just went down, but whatever. Yeah, I use epidemic into, as well. Oh, sorry. Um, I was gonna say getting into long form has been interesting. Yeah, uh, it's it's a uh, it's totally different, uh, totally different art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the pacing is is way different. Um, I think you just started. There was one you put out on your, your channel just the other day I watched. It was kind of like, I think you were like talking about how you did the peanut butter thing or something like that. I was talking about how I did these, uh, the Lego pedals. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, the, the pedals. Um, and it's really interesting because I I find that the, the uh, actual filming isn't really any harder because I kind of have lots of extra stuff left over from the short form anyway. But mm -hmm. the edit itself just takes so long. <laughs> just like yeah, just the physical act of editing and like cutting those clips and making sure everything looks good. It takes a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely. Um, I I went for a ride the other day and then pulled out like 
three or four little sections and just did like little 60 second reels of, of it. And I was tried to tell like a little story, you know, like little clips here, here, here. And, and, um, I was like, man, this is so easy. Like, like I did four of these in like an hour, you know, where it's like, Oh God, the video I'm working on right now, I'm probably already like four or five hours into, and I'm not like, I'm probably like three minutes into the edit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The thing for me with the short form is I basically make a new product for every video Mm -hmm. and I try to do two or three videos a week. So that's the time consuming part for me is designing it in fusion 360 and then printing it or machining it or whatever I'm going to do. Yeah. And then the filming and then the editing I do like an hour, typically do it like an hour before I post it Mm -hmm. and then it's up. But now that, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the design and printing takes like six, seven hours or more. Mm -hmm. Um, but now with the long form content, it's like still takes the same amount of time to design something, but then I'm also spending the same amount of that, that amount of time, like editing. Uh, yeah. so it's challenging. It's a fun process though. I really wanted to learn how to get better at that long format, uh, storytelling yeah. and trying to keep people engaged and bring some value more. The, the thing I like about long form is I feel like I can bring more value than just a quick kind of clips designed for virality and high engagement in you know mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Like I feel like. So I'm is the really- idea like the videos are going to be like how you made and generated the short or is it going to be something like you want to make something completely different for that long form than what you're a bit of both. I think there's oftentimes something I want to teach, uh, like some challenge I overcame in the design process for one of the short form videos, like with the Lego pedals, it was, you know, getting them to be strong enough to actually ride with and like, um, designing them such that when they printed the a, a lego will actually stick to this 3d printed part there's just like a bunch of um different challenges in there so i feel like I, there's some value in sharing that and then mm-hmm. um also i have some projects that i want to do that are just kind of more suited for for long format uh video like right now i'm working on some 3d printed airless tires um made out of tpu <laughs> So that's kind of like a, just a longer process. And I feel like for, for the effort that goes into something like that, I want to document more of it. Yeah, 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 it's more of a story there. I think people really like watching things get built as well. Yeah, so it, exactly. it, I think it would be a, like, it's really a, like a, a type of video that appeals to any audience, like you're not, a mountain biker you know what i mean you're you're a, a, an inventor or creator or, you know what i mean yeah totally that's my goal with any of the kind of any piece of content i put out is to reach in some direction beyond just the cycling community um mm-hmm. and it's always really fun when that happens because i for example i did the video where i put a camera inside my tire before i set it up as a tubeless uh, before i did a tubeless setup and mm-hmm got lots of people that were like, they'd never heard of a tubeless tire before. They had no idea what sealant was. And it was just really fun, like answering those questions in the comments and seeing people that like had no idea about mountain bikes, just uh, enjoy, enjoy the video. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. How did you like that? 
I, I saw I did watch that the other day and and um, oh it's just it's a little key ring light um it's like a little key ring rechargeable so you like super glued it inside of the tire or something like that so that yeah you know it double-sided it used like a double-sided gorilla tape and had that on uh -huh. one spot in the rim and then there's just a little bit around the rim I had a old uh, GoPro session in there uh-huh yeah and that, that and was just it. popped it on hit hit record popped it on and tried to seat it and everything and not mess it up yeah exactly yeah and it, it, it was it actually worked pretty well I, I was hoping to get more footage once um i put the sealant in but then i was i wanted to do a puncture and repair but you just couldn't, uh -huh. couldn't see anything once the sealant was in there you couldn't see anything it just yeah. got all over the lens and it was kind of yeah i had coated the lens with like a hydrophobic coating but it didn't really work well sealant kind uh -huh. of just filmed it over and you, you couldn't see anything huh that's that's a drag yeah that was, that's pretty rad i mean i think it's probably really fun to just come up with like how you're going to accomplish the the goal as well you know yeah totally i like those kind of challenges and i like that i can it was i i like trying those things i had no idea if that was gonna if that video was gonna be a hit at all or people would mm -hmm. enjoy it because it's like i didn't build anything but uh it was really popular and i i i, I like it a lot because it's a different kind of challenge you know how do i film this um mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a bit educational it was really cool to see the bead on the inside of the tire expanding and uh moisture forming in the air without the pressure so a lot of cool stuff going on there yeah 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 definitely it's um and it's one of those things too that it just like probably you know feels good just because your own curiosity like i wonder what that looks like in there you know what i mean oh yeah like, totally yeah totally. i was really surprised that you could see the um as you rolled like as you rode down the street you could see the uh back side of the treads like pushing up through the casing uh-huh which is really cool I didn't, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't expect that. It's always yeah, yeah. cool when you That's don't expect neat. something. So you just had the, the GoPro like tape, like double side tape to the rim itself or something. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you know, like the, it's like this red, uh, this stuff that you see on the back of the GoPro mounts. Like the really, yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Uh, what is that stuff called? I wouldn't want him to get some of that. This is three M. Uh, I think it's VHB, uh, double sided tape three um oh man i need to write good stuff down. and you normally would uh either use a lighter or a heat gun to stick it on and it's uh it's uh, some of the toughest stuff around what was the what was the the letters afterwards vhb i believe it's called i can't actually see it in the back of the roll here like v um, is in bravo or v yeah okay all right we'll Victor see if hotel I bravo it. yeah i was thinking about um thinking about making something the other day and i was like man i need some of that tape and i don't know what the hell of it like i, I knew it was 3m i knew that much because it's like written all over the gopro shit but i was like 3m tape red you know like you, yeah you get a million things so my uh, it, it's crazy stuff i um had stuck a flexible solar panel on top of my van once mm -hmm. and uh with, with the vhb tape and then we my wife and i needed to put some stuff on top on some racks on for a trip we were doing and we spent like six hours peeling off one solar panel just so we could put racks in the car and we're like never again yeah never yeah, again that's, that's, so tough so yeah they have some crazy adhesives out there that are just like unbelievably strong so you got to think about like 
the the steel inserts i think they're steel yeah they're steel inserts that are in the in the carbon cranks where you thread your pedals in yeah are bonded with like those aren't press fit those are that's a type of epoxy that's yeah. used to and just think about the forces there yeah well i had a of guy I, also bent, I bent mine so you know right <laughs> right i had a guy on just a couple weeks ago he's making a bike and it's machined so like the two halves of the frame are are epoxied together that's so sick yeah yeah it's pretty rad is it a um, one-off thing um no he's he's starting a company it's just going to be a like a boutique brand it's called ministry cycles you should check it out on oh uh, right yeah 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 the bike looks sick man it's just like really definitely it it is uh it looks it looks pretty rad like in my mind the way i would explain it is like it's like the delorean of mountain bikes you know what i mean it just looks yeah super clean you're like man that thing looks rad it's all square and angles and stuff you know <laughs> it is a super cool looking bike because he also got the gear not the gearbox but it's like a the drivetrain is up ahead of the uh the crank set yeah is that him as well I can't remember right now if he's doing a yeah I think he has the pinion in there as well the pinion gearbox oh it's a pinion I can't remember I'm drawing a blank right now like as soon as you said it I could picture it but I'm like is that actually actually right I can't remember there's some interesting stuff coming out man I I really think that um especially with the the e-bikes the way that they are nowadays that that that's going to be what like makes the pinion kind of or some kind of gearbox kind of come to fruition because totally do you have an e-bike no not yet i've ridden one honestly the only reason i don't have one is money like i would totally have one if i had the money but yeah right now i just keep spending the money on more analog bikes so. <laughs> we bought my wife and i bought two used ones two rocky mountain altitudes mm -hmm. um they're a blast I, I originally wanted one because I go to a bunch of group rides out here in California and I don't, I want to avoid driving just to ride my bike. So with e-bike, I can do like 10 mile ride to the group ride, ride the group ride, and then a 10 mile ride back um, where I wouldn't really want to do that on my analog bike. But anyway, yeah. they're sick, but the drivetrain, it, 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 it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, I got a nice drivetrain on there, you know. Your mic's rubbing again. I got a nice uh, drivetrain on there, but like, it just eats chains and eats cassettes ah. because it's like two people pedaling one bike. Because the torque, it's just so much more torque on there. So much torque. Even when you're not shifting, just the amount of force per tooth is basically yeah. double what it would be for just me. Um, right. Are they making the, do they make e-bike specific cassettes? I thought they did. They make e-bike rated cassettes. Um, so they're not using a different metal then, basically, which they should be. They should be using something harder than huh? I mean, it's also just a matter of stretching your chain more quickly. Yeah. Uh, and the and the way it shifts as well when you're when you when you are shifting under power. Right. Um, you know, you might not really notice it when you're just pedaling a regular bike, but suddenly um a light a light pedaling action on an e-bike is still putting out like if you can imagine like standing up and cranking with your maximum force and also shifting up at the same time right that's kind of what it's like to shift an e-bike with a light pedaling action and so, right because it's not like there's a clutch you're just freaking jamming that thing into the gear right it just sounds horrible yeah yeah, yeah you're just yeah. shifting you're just shifting under power 
right. so we actively try to you know just gingerly turn those pedals while shifting and you know just be smart about your shifting like like you had to be in the old days before cassettes uh worked really well to shift under power you know you'd see a yeah. hill coming up and you'd shift beforehand not shift while you're on the hill but yeah yeah e-bikes yeah, e just eat drivetrains and uh some other type of drive would be uh very yes yeah, so, i mean at the very least having the belt drive and a gearbox in there would just make sense especially when you're not really concerned about the weight like i could see like on the analog side people being like no nah, i don't want to do that it weighs so much more you know whatever the reasons are i can like kind of understand you know what i mean yeah but with an e-bike it's like no you're it doesn't matter That's <laughs> you know? i'm not really a big fan of like the the, the like lightweight e-bikes because uh -huh. it just seems like it's like a different activity to me mm -hmm. um i like our bikes are they're almost 70 pounds or like the big rocky mountains with the extended battery yeah and we're just going out for like long days you just ride them differently like to me it's more like riding my uh like riding my old um and uh like 150 uh off-road you know just zipping around on the on the dirt bike on trails just it's a yeah. different style of riding and it's fun but i don't want like a i don't want a lightweight e-bike if i'm just gonna do mountain bike trails or ride my regular bike yeah maybe i should get one before i like really sink my or like put some time on one before i really sink my money into one because in my mind i feel like i would want the lightweight one because in my head i'm like i just want to pedal i want the assist to get up the hill fast but i want to descend and it feel like my regular bike I think and, it depends upon where you where you live and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, like out here in California, there's a lot of stuff that I'll ride on the e-bike because it's fun on the e-bike going 20 miles an hour that I just won't touch on my analog bike because it's kind of boring. Mm -hmm. um, but these are trail, you know, these are like kind of wide trails that are, you know, going, we're going to the beach, you know, 15 miles away or something like that. Yeah. And it's really fun on the e-bike. But I don't do a lot of like shuttling kind of riding. Uh -huh. Maybe if you're maybe if you're going to do, you know, you're just trying to get to the top of your descent. Um, then a lightweight yeah. bike would be pretty nice. Yeah, we do a lot of rides that have like, you know, just monster climb, but then you're like getting it all back in descent. You know, it's like, OK, we climbed for nine miles, but now we're descending for nine, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. So in my mind, it's like, yeah, if I could get up to the top of that, like super fast, but then I still like when I, when I did ride an e-bike, I just felt like, I mean, obviously it weighs so much more. So the braking was like way different and just the way that the bike kind of threw it around. Maybe it's just, I need to get used to like riding one. And then I'm like, I won't even care. I love but, the, I love the suspension feel of a heavy bike. Just so yeah. flush. You just get so, you know, it just, um, yeah, it's again, it's like riding a, riding a dirt bike, you know, you just. The yeah. bike's so heavy, you get so much less feedback from the ground because the, the frame, the uh, the sprung weight doesn't move around as much. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you put a gearbox in an e-bike, man, people will lose their freaking minds. They'll be like, see, it is a motorcycle. <laughs> gearbox e-bike would be pretty cool. Or like one yeah. of those, one of those like Nexus or roll-off seven-speed hubs they have. Like the internally um, geared ones i have no idea if they'd hold up to e-bike power yeah that'd be pretty cool yeah well i mean like the way that the uh zeroed is is like the all the gears are up in the the, the crank area 
and then it's just like a single speed single cog on the back yeah so and then that puts more of your weight in the middle of the bike which is like makes it handle better and things and a lot less unsprung weight which is really nice so suspension works better yeah i rode one of those zeros and um it was like it felt like you had a keel when you were like going through your turns i mean it just was like that weight being down there in the middle it just was really phenomenal but um yeah i don't know i really feel like you know as like a product guy that you were talking about like i feel like the the derailleur is just the worst possible invention for mountain biking it's like here's this essential part of your drivetrain that is like super important and we're gonna dangle it down by the rocks that you're riding through see that's what i don't get about the electronic derailers on mountain bikes wireless derailers on mountain bikes like yeah how can you i just i smash a lot of derailers per season i'm like how can you dangle 800 bucks off the back there and be okay with it like i would not be able to ride like i want to ride and be thinking about you know (laughs) a week's worth of pay there on the back of the bike yeah 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 totally i i will say i'm i've definitely gone down the the access route though i don't know i just just like how crisp it is yeah i like how crisp it is and i'm like one of those like mediocre mechanics so it you can be mediocre with an axis and get it to shift perfect all the time you know whereas huh you have a gx axis yeah i have it on actually all three of my bikes yeah yeah it's all right i've had to replace one that hurt that did hurt because it was like i think it was like 350 bucks or something like that yeah they're pricey so i do a lot of i really love trials riding it's another reason why uh-huh. i like that big torquey e-bike because i love going out yeah, and yeah. Doing like uh you know getting up on rocks and doing steep climbs and stuff like that but uh with the trial stuff hopping around on the back wheel you're always falling into like crevices or falling off right next to something really uh, close yeah honestly i go through probably like five derailers a year so it's like oh wow <laughs> whenever i feel yeah. some whenever i demo a bike with a with a wireless derailleur on the back i'm like i just feel so dangerous like living on the yeah. edge right you're like do you have like an extra insurance policy i can take out on this derailleur <laughs> yeah it feels so dangerous yeah that, that's funny so um what, what kind of riding do you like so you're doing a lot of the trial stuff do you do like regular more like traditional kind of trail all mountain kind of stuff or yeah for sure i mean that's like my my workout every day go out for go out for 30 minutes to an hour trail ride. Luckily I have stuff right in the backyard, but, mm-hmm. um, I love, I really love super technical riding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, anything kind of like trialsy in nature where I'm hopping around on my back wheel, rock to rock or log to log or balancing on skinnies or pivoting, pivoting on my front wheel. It's, uh, yeah. that's, that's my road. I really love to do. That's the good stuff. Are you going to Sedona this year? I don't think so. Although I think I would love riding there. Yeah. Sedona's super fun. Are you going? Think, yeah. Yeah. I've been going every year for, I don't know now. It's probably been like five years or something like that. But um, yeah, it's super fun. It's definitely, um, I think this year I'm going to try to spend a little more time around the fest and not be so like ride specific. Like last year, I really was like, wanted to like accomplish a bunch of riding and um because of that 
I I really was barely at the fest, like barely there. So I think that would be me too. And that's kind of why I'm not going during the festival. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, other, and I also have a lot of work stuff going on, but um, yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? Uh, what's, what's your day job now? So you, after you left Canada, you came back to the States, got a job. No, I'm actually doing this full time now as of, well, 20, as, as of 2023, I was doing some freelance product design work in 2022 uh -huh. to help pay the bills. But now, um, yeah, making a go, having a go at it, doing full time uh -huh. content creator life in 2023. Yeah. yeah. So like, how's the monetization like working out with like Instagram? Do you get anything from Instagram or? or Actually, TikTok? yeah. So I have a, you know. I get, I get some money from views on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And then I have partners that I work with in the, in the industry, so, you know, industry sponsors. So I get some pay there and riding gear and bikes. Um, mm -hmm. I work with Jiro and Marin and Garmin. And I just started working with uh, Jensen USA. Oh, cool. Um, and then I do some brand deals outside of the cycling industry as well, random stuff that comes up like uh sort of um outdoors adjacent brands like a, a soap company i just did a made a product for and then i did a, a beef jerky pez dispenser for jack link's beef jerky a couple <laughs> months ago and just fun stuff like that if it fits the channel and it's a fun design project yeah and i can do a brand deal it works out really well um and yeah, some working on some products of my own now, mostly for the kind of like bike touring scene. Um, I have a couple of designs that I'm working on uh, getting to market. So I, um, first of all, your your lab mic hates your jacket when you're leaning. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Maybe if you just twist it a little bit or something. I don't yeah. Know. Sorry, dude. Oh no, it's no worries. I'm I'm just I, I'm an amateur I can... podcaster. Yeah, it's all right, man. It's just, I'm sure somebody a, a month from now that's sitting in traffic is like, this is enough to make me go punch that guy next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's you that's listening right now that we're speaking to, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, no, that's super rad. Um, I bet that when COVID started and you started this channel, did you think that, that you were like going to be a, a full-time content creator or was it just something like, this sounds fun? No, not at all. I just, I'm not the kind of person who can just sit still and like chill out and do nothing. So I started making these videos and um, really kind of looked at it from sort of very analytical engineers perspective, like video structure. How do I make a 30 second video that people want to watch? I took a deep dive into like, you know, the hook and the storyline and editing structure and, you know, all that stuff that makes a video shareable and, um, watchable over and over again is there somebody um, in particular that you would follow on youtube that you liked to learn that stuff from or um try to think back now i mean one guy that definitely inspired the whole the channel was um do you know uh unnecessary inventions no i don't he does like a great, he's a he's a great designer and he does all sorts of every sort of every from every genre he does uh -huh. um, product design um but definitely that's that um that style of uh 
product of the kind of like the um what do i say like the uh one-off infomercial kind of style yeah video. yeah if there's a girl that i watch out of the bay area i can't think of her name right now simone something simone yurtz yeah yeah she like makes like useless inventions like this puts on my lipstick horrible oh yeah she's great she also made yeah. the tesla pickup truck from her yes Model yeah yeah she did she's that incredible. was pretty rad yeah she was working with the uh with the um the guys from mythbusters and stuff on some of her projects but so i kind of want to do like uh like ultimate goals to be like you know you know colin furs yes yeah yeah so like colin furs meets seth's bike hacks meets unnecessary inventions like somewhere in that yeah in that like mark, uh, mark rover kind of thing yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean it's yeah, definitely it's engineering the, meets outdoors in yeah. a very fun way i mean i feel like it's a very palatable like content space to be in like where you can reach anybody like and like there's not a person that is on youtube that probably hasn't seen seen like mark rivers like litter bomb you know what i mean yeah totally totally you know and and the like the video itself is like pretty freaking like technical of like hey this is how i did this this is what i did you know i use these like whatever you know adrenos or raspberry pies or you know what i mean it's like he's an incredible storyteller yeah absolutely yeah and the, the thing that i notice when i watch his videos are even though it's they can be 15 minutes long the um the pacing is still it's still quick it never leaves you sitting there like okay this little section is kind of boring there's there's, yeah. there's none of that it's like it's like watching a short form video it's like that level of attention for 15 minutes yeah mr beast does the same thing yeah i've watched a bunch of his video like people interviewing him and stuff and the way that they talk about things it's just like he the attention to detail is like there and there and there and it's like i don't care if this video takes three months to make if that makes it you know 500 million views instead of 100 million views it was worth it you know yeah, yeah. that guy's got a lot of really good advice um i i think that you know for as young as he is and he, he's definitely got like the, the social media side kind of pegged but uh, yeah, no, I, I never really, I never thought it would be a full-time thing being a, a content creator per se. I, I mm -hmm. thought that uh, maybe I could build a bit of an audience and then I have, I had a number of product ideas in mind and I thought, okay, maybe I'll build a bit of an audience and then do like a Kickstarter or something and start a small, start a small business that maybe like a component company or something like that. Uh -huh. But um, I like the design and content creation side of things far more than selling a physical product. And yeah. so as long as I can keep growing and keep doing that, um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to stick with it. It's, uh, so why don't you sell all of the things that you're creating? I went to your mm -hmm. website and I saw some products on there and I was like, why did, I mean, to me, I feel like it'd be like, like the, uh, I don't know what those things are called. The, the like tracks that you use to get out of a, a like when you're four wheeling and you get like stuck. Then oh, you yeah. make some of those for a for a bike. Those like a mount like a little little tiny ones like as a spoof. 
Yeah. Like somebody could watch that video and be like, oh, I could get those for like two bucks. It'd just be funny. You know? Yeah. I don't know if it's worth it. Like, it's just not worth it to me because, well, I don't like selling junk for one. Uh-huh. Um, like novelty junk. I get, uh-huh. I, I do post a lot of my files uh, for free and I'm slowly moving those over to my website. So people want to like make them themselves. They yeah. Can, they can make it themselves. Um, yeah, but you could sell that file though for like a buck though instead. You know what I you know, you know what I sold was the um, last year last winter I made snowplows for your Crocs, uh-huh. and I sold that file on Etsy for three bucks and I made like a little over six grand selling yeah. Crocs snowplows 3D files. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like why not like have it where it's like okay if you don't want to be printing it and selling it that way cool. But you could like, why not monetize? Like you created this product, like it, it's, what do they call it? It's like passive income. Like when you're selling that file, there's zero that you have to do. Even if you sold it for 50 cents, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just, a lot, I, I could, some of them I will, like some of them that I know are going to be super high volume. I will, but a lot of what I like is just building that community of people that's excited about making stuff for their bikes. And I look yeah. at my audience and a lot of it is like 15 to 20 year old kids. Yeah. And they want to, you know, make a mud guard for their bike that I designed. So there it is on my website. They can download it. It's free yeah. and they can enjoy it because I'm not going to sell a lot of those. Maybe I'd make, you know, couple hundred bucks off of that file over its lifetime but it's it just seems doesn't seem worth it to me yeah and then selling the physical items i do have some physical items uh, i'm going to be selling uh this year actually uh but as far as like the kind of goofy stuff i just don't like selling i just don't like selling junk really (laughs) yeah 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 it just it it seems like it's it's a missed opportunity to me where you have this group of fans like like the um the thing you showed earlier the little magnetic plant holder you yeah know, i could see somebody being like that's funny i'm gonna put that on my bike you know totally um and that files up on my website for free, oh. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's not really time. It's just not really time efficient. You know, I mean, I can get rather than spending the time making all those units and shipping them out the door, I could spend a whole month doing that or I could get one more brand deal. Yeah, no, I think what I was thinking is more like the files, just putting the files out there. Like you said, you made six. Oh, grand yeah. Files. Like to me, that time is like it's just a matter of posting it. Yeah, I'm slowly listing. Uh, I am slowly listing all, all my files um, yeah. on the website. It, just, it takes a bit of time to get them up there, but and it yeah. takes a bit because like a lot of them are like, okay, I made this thing. I almost never. I try to never have to do a second print of anything. So I'll make something and it's like uh, it's a little bit too small to fit where I want it to fit. So I'll have to like heat it up with a heat gun. Yeah. And so and I write that down like in in my notes on the on the video. Like okay, this was you know one millimeter too small. Yeah, like the whole size or something. And so then before I post it on my website for a free file, I'm going to go back in to my drawing software, fix it, export it again. And then so it just takes a while to get everything up. Yeah. And when I'm making two or three new things a week, it can be pretty hard to um, 
pretty hard to get all those little things done. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I can, yeah. I can, I can really. So you're right, though. It's it's definitely a missed opportunity. I just, I just have, like, I have this uh, kind of moral issue with selling junk, and that's like kind of what because it's kind of what inspired the whole channel to start. Was like, man, they're marketing such useless crap. I'm gonna yeah. make more ridiculous useless crap and just make you know make funny videos about it even yeah. though it's not real just to get people thinking to get people talking to, to yeah. share kind of the the fun of des of design but um, i think that's the fun part of it is just like like you saw something it made you laugh and like think about like if you look at a 3d printing site there's like a quibillion quadrillion freaking like completely useless things that people print to just like sit on their counter, you know? <laughs> and then yeah. there, you know, then there's like, you know, 0.3% of things that are actually <laughs> useful that are on those sites compared to all the crap. So it's like, I don't know, to me, it's like a novelty, like a, like a souvenir. It's like, I watched that video. I thought totally. it was hilarious. And now I have the, the, the peanut butter, spinner you know, <laughs> you <laughs> totally. know? that's why i'm putting that's why i'm slowly putting the files up I, i've yeah. had mixed feelings about that too i feel like maybe it i don't know maybe having a bunch of those things out in the world sort of waters down my brand a little bit but yeah uh, i think it's worth it for the fun that the community has with it yeah um and how rewarding it is for somebody to be able to like really like a video and then go get the file and make it themselves yeah uh, yeah, yeah be cool if there was like a way that they could like 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 if you put reviews on the the thing or something like that and people could like put their own pictures of of the item like if they modified it or they like put it on their bike or whatever you know totally be... I but that's that that's like way too much work then now i'm going down a rabbit hole <laughs> right now i have so when you go to get a free thing on my site um you still have to like check out so you just like put in your yeah. name and address um and I like seeing and the only thing I like about that is seeing all the different places around the world where people are yeah. making my stuff. And that's, that's just super cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like looking at the map. There's like a little globe you can, yeah. you can look at in Shopify and it shows all the spots where people have downloaded the files. It, Shopify should probably have an Etsy plugin. So you'd be able to display everything on an Etsy shop on your website and then not have to like really go through the effort of kind of like posting in both places or something like that. Oh, I stopped using Etsy. I'm yeah. not a fan of Etsy anymore. It's a, just a place to get ripped off. Really? Oh, really? What do you, why it's do you feel that way? It's just a place for people to rip off your design. So like last winter I made the Crocs snow plows and just listed the file for three bucks. And then this year when it came into season, I just happened to look back because I saw the videos getting some view, some views again. And on Etsy, there were 25 different sellers selling small variations of my design yeah. on their on their sites because they look they you can see the sales and you can see when it's popular. And yeah. mine was like the top of Crocs for like a month was my design. <laughs> so everybody just downloaded it, changed it slightly, and then they're selling the physical item, which is what I don't want. I don't want stupid junk for sale. And so. <laughs> So now I'm like mad. Now I'm mad because like there's all these copies of my design on Etsy, people selling Crocs snowplows. And the same thing happened with um, the Crocs. Uh, I made a light bar for Crocs. And then somebody like, Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Yeah. And then there's like a bunch of different Crocs light bars for sale. I'm like, oh. 
Damn it. No more Etsy, man. But the thing is, is it's like supply and demand, man. Like people actually want it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the thing is, like nobody, no one seller is making any significant amount of money from right. the crock smoke plows anymore. It's so spread out because there's so many copies. Yeah. And I've even seen like injection molded copies, like from a Chinese company Get selling crock snow plows, but no one person's making any, like I couldn't make a, make any sort of decent money selling crock snow plows because there's 30 people copying the idea. Right. Right. And like, so if you're going to make money, it's going to be in the first like three months or first month or first week or whatever it is until people catch on that it's selling. Totally. And even if you have something that's, um, patentable, uh, it's still very difficult to protect that. I mean, basically getting a patent on something is just giving you a license to pay a lawyer to defend that patent because you're still yeah. going to have the same issues with copycats. Um, yeah. and it's quite a bit of work. So I have the luxury of having, you know, an audience of like 300,000 people or more across platforms where I, when I have an idea and I want to sell something, I can get on it, I can get it out to market and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the, the small guy, the small creator that has a great, a great idea, um, that takes a bit of time to get out in the world doesn't have that same luxury. Yeah. I had a great idea, but it didn't sell. I put it on that scene. Nobody cares. <laughs> what was your great idea? Uh, I made baseball hats and feet for ring cameras. <laughs> Sorry? Like, so that, if you look over my shoulder right over there, it's a ring camera. Yeah, okay. And, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So he's got a hat on. Like, <laughs> like a little baseball hat. And you can make like a cowboy hat or whatever. And I thought like people that have them in their house sitting around, like I thought it would be funny. Like, you know, like now it's not just some dumb camera. It's a camera with a hat. <laughs> you did you sell any? Nope, not a single one. <laughs> Dude, but that's maybe tough. I need that's to make. How I feel posting on YouTube right now. I, I put yeah. all that time and effort into making the that behind the scenes how to the Lego video. Yeah. Watch it over again myself. I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then I post it. It's got like 600 views. And yeah. like the last week, I'm like. Well, you're just starting. So, I mean, you I know, don't have, I'm just, I'm just like, starting, with, especially with long form. I think it's, it seems to be a totally different algorithm. Like nobody yeah. that's watching my shorts gets fed my long form videos. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only way to like get it to them would be like, like plugging that in as like a, Hey, check out my other channel kind of thing somehow into one of your shorts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or check out my other content or I don't know how you do that. Like, but yeah. Cause they're totally different. Like audiences, completely different. Totally audiences. different. And in a way that's a good thing. Cause I mean, I, I think the average shorts viewer is a lot younger. They're watching it at a different time. You know, they're scrolling on their phone. Whereas the long form viewer is somebody who's going to, you know, sit down at 5 PM and watch a 10 minute video while they're eating dinner or something. Yeah. Um, it's like a different, different state of mind. Um, yeah. I don't think the younger is right on the, on the short term though. You don't think so? I feel like, no, I think that it's so engaging that it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, I I can tell you even personally, like I'm scrolling through my own Facebook feed, trying to see what my friends are doing and they inject a reel in there in the middle of it. 
and I am on reels or, you know, whatever they call them on Facebook. And I'm now I'm watching reels for 15 minutes before I even realize that I'm not looking at what my friends are doing anymore. <laughs> you, you know it's what I mean? Stuck, man. Yeah. I had, yeah. I had to make a personal rule of no scrolling because it is such yeah. a time suck. Yeah. Yeah. What I've done is um, took up another hobby that didn't have to do with my phone. So in, during COVID, I decided I wanted to learn how to do the Rubik's Cube. And that's basically like what I'm fidgeting with instead of like scrolling on my phone at night or whatever. Are you good at the Rubik's Cube? Right now, I'm at like my best time is around 40 seconds. And I've been purposely like still using the beginner method. And there's other ways to like bring my time way down, but I've been just trying to get super consistent at under a minute on the beginner method. Then I want to go like, and what it's helping me do is like, kind of like learn my finger movements and dexterity and all that. And uh, yeah, then I think I'll be able to like, I think my goal right now is like, it would be rad to, to get like, like 15 second time or something like that. What do you, you think know? about combining your two hobbies? Like doing a Rubik's cube or you're like, banging one handed through a rock garden downhill, <laughs> you know, like GoPro yeah. chest mount Rubik's cube in one hand, handlebar yeah. in the other hand. <laughs> Dude, those guys that are like, they, they actually, the, the one handed Rubik's cube people are actually really crazy fast. It's unbelievable how fast they are. But, oh, you're um, still in two hands. Oh, you're a real beginner yeah, then. Yeah. I'm totally a beginner. yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't, I can't do one at all. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's dude. It's been like, um, it, it is definitely a time suck um it's 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 interesting so it's been fun though I, I do you ever watch mike boyd do you ever watch his his channel love mike boyd yeah yeah i think he was part of the inspiration because originally he's, he did a video that was like learn how to do it in under two minutes he's also super interesting he's sort of like tom scott and where he can just make a video about anything yeah and like people want to watch it i mean yeah. i want to watch it because it's so good I think the premise of like seeing how long it actually takes to do something, it just like is always really uh, intriguing to me. And I'm in like I, amazing is not the right word, but something like that. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, wow. Like when you put the time to it, let's just say for him on the Rubik's Cube, since that's what we were talking about, let's just say it was like, it was like six hours or something like that, that he actually spent to get to that, you know, yeah. where you're like, like when he learned how to do a, a manual for like 50 meters, it was like, you know, it wasn't 18 weeks. It was, you know, 12 hours. And you're like, okay, well maybe it was over 12 weeks, an hour a week. But when you think about it in like, oh, it's only 12 hours. You're like, well, why am I not learning how to rip a phone book in half? You know, it only took him 45 <laughs> minutes to figure that out. This you know? is super interesting to me because personally I find like if I go out to the dirt jump park and I want to learn a new trick. I find I don't progress a lot within a session, but I progress a lot between sessions. Uh-huh. You know, where I like try a trick and then try it 50 times that session, don't get it. I'll come back the next session and get it in the first couple of tries. Yeah. Whereas Mike Boyd tends to learn stuff like on the spot. Like you can watch him learning stuff. And I always thought that was super interesting. Like just not... Yeah not how we all have different styles but it's just like not how i learn things some people are just fast learners too i mean i remember do you ever play darts oh uh, yeah yeah i i've played darts for a long time i remember teaching somebody how to play darts once and like within like 
45 minutes they were like whooping my ass and i had been playing darts for years you know it was just like (laughs) this is insane you just like couldn't barely hit the board an hour ago and you know yeah 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 totally super interesting it he he um he did some inventing here not too long ago too i don't know if you saw that video he did a video on like people that cheat at chess oh yeah there's a guy that allegedly had a, a a butt plug in a vibrating butt plug yes <laughs> that was interesting that was his, an interesting his, video yeah his thumbnail was so clickbaity it was like this is clearly a sex toy and what the fuck is he talking about like like there's like almost no way you could click on it you know i i believe for the video he strapped it to his ankle right uh, yeah yeah so he, he didn't did. have to, yeah. but. but the premise <laughs> is really interesting yeah it's been it's it's funny. That's like I've never heard about chess until like the last six months, where there's been like this scandal with the the dude who supposedly cheats via butt plug, via vibrating <laughs> remote controlled butt plug. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So <laughs> there's so many things though, and I I think the uh, the having a 3D printer makes you really start thinking about like inventing things so like you for example are somebody that's gone to school and like already has that like kind of um, professional way of looking at things probably and like problem solving and thinking about it but i think for like the average joe if you go out and you buy one all of a sudden you really start looking at things in like a whole different light and it's been for me like super interesting i think there that's a lot of what attracts people to buying new tools in general Mm -hmm. like why it's fun to go walk through the aisles at lowe's or like harbor freight yeah just to be like it gives you ideas about how things can be constructed like if you're someone who does a lot of woodworking and suddenly you're like wow they've got this tool that lets me make the perfect dovetail every time and i don't have to use my handsaw like suddenly you're you're your list of things you can build in your head. You just imagine things differently. Yeah. Yeah. And 3d printer is just another one of those tools, right? Like it, it lets yeah. you, it lets your imagination work a little differently because it gives you the physical means to, yeah. to make something happen. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a creative person. So I think because of that, um, that's really what it comes down to. Like, Oh, I can make stickers with my cricket or I can make t-shirts with my cricket. You know, I can, make you know some tool or some like cable clips with my 3d printer for my bike like i can you know like ultimately for me it's it really just comes down to having ideas and like creating things i really like creating things yeah totally what's your what's your full-time gig i i do it i'm i'm a project manager at this point so i'm just uh oh cool yeah 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 i used to do more like the technical stuff back in the day but um, it's kind of like know, Joe at uh, Trail Features. You ever talk to him about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's an IT yeah, guy, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. He does. I think he's still a little more on the technical side. Where I got it went went into management years ago, and then after that, it's like now I'm like project manager. We're basically, I'm like an email jockey. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that just knows how shit works instead of like having to make like actually make the shit work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it's been it's it's definitely interesting, you know. It's it, I I I like IT. I'm like ADD, so I I like IT because it changes con, like constantly. 
so it keeps me intrigued that way because you can't like you can't you can't stop learning you have to like keep learning something else all the time i love being a beginner at stuff yeah it's so fun i just learned it's how almost to ski. like go ahead oh i said i just learned how to ski this winter i've always oh, snowboarded before that's been a lot of fun and last year i, I learned how to kiteboard mm -hmm. um, that's it just i just love being a beginner i think that's probably a thing we have in common yeah yeah i think it's probably something to do with um I really like that passion that you have for something whenever you first learn it, you know, like yeah. when I first started doing YouTube, like there was probably like three or four months that pretty much there was zero conversation with me that didn't have anything to do with YouTube. <laughs> like you could be like, let me talk to you about religion and I would tie it into YouTube somehow. <laughs> you know, like like it, it was just like, that was like, I was just totally interested, you know, and it had like my hundred percent attention. Like Rubik's cube was that way for a long time. And, um, like I, I always am like going to the next thing, to the next thing, the next thing. And then some of the things stick like mountain biking, obviously I've been doing that for a long time, but um, yeah, I, I, I guess it's similar. It's, it's that uh, I like learning, you know? Yeah. I think the like, thing that's most, that I found most fascinating about the last, you know, year, like I think a year ago I had, maybe like maybe a year ago, I had like 8,000 followers on, on Instagram. Uh -huh. And just as I've grown over the past year, getting to meet other people that do the same thing and, and um, also getting to work with the brands that I've like looked up to for a really long time. It's mm -hmm. so, it's so cool to have a bit of a, bit of a behind the scenes look at, at how stuff works. And some of it's the way you think it is. And some, and some of it's totally different. Yeah. But, yeah. How'd you get hooked up with Garmin? Um, it was from a video. Oh, I made a bunch of stuff that goes in the Garmin mount. A um, bunch of different things. There was like a taco holder. There was a plant. Uh, there's like a planter that goes in your Garmin mount. And at some point, someone from Garmin reached out to me because a bunch of them went kind of viral. And uh -huh. they wanted to work together. We started like, like with everything, we started working together pretty casually at first. And uh -huh. now I have a contract with them. Yeah. That's really rad. Yeah, they're super cool. And that was the same thing with Jiro. I made some, oh, I made some crossbars that went on one of their helmets and like a little rooftop rack um, <laughs> and to carry stuff on my rides. And they, one of their, their marketing guy reached out to me and I've been working with them ever since. Oh, that's right. So now, so like, yeah, how does that work? They're like, hey, just invent something for us like once a year or every quarter or something like that? Or Yeah, so the way it works with them is they, I think this year we did like six, we're going to do six videos together. Uh -huh. um, and they, uh, they get to choose kind of, or not, they don't get to choose the video, but they get to suggest like if they're pushing something at the time, like they were just recently, uh, trying to, they, they launch a new full face helmet and okay. they're like, how can we, you know, how can you showcase this helmet on your channel? So what I did was I made the uh, magnetic goggle attachments. So like ditch yeah. the strap and the goggles go on magnetically. Yeah. And then we the part where you poked yourself in the eye, that was classic. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, so we do those kind of collaborations and then we did some self-lacing shoes. I did a visor for one of their helmets that always faces the sun. 
Um, so like no matter which way you turn your head, it always shades your face. Yeah. Um, so when you did the self lacing, lacing shoe, how did you control that? I had uh, a little Bluetooth, um, remote on my handlebar, just kind of like, yeah, it was a, it was a servo going to, um, just a little like Bluetooth controller I had with a, like lithium, uh, like a little drone battery plugged into it. Interesting. Okay. So it was and like a basically servo. the Bluetooth would just like tell the servo, like turn on, turn off, go forward, go backward. Yeah. So I removed, uh, the like limiter from the servo. So it keeps spinning in the same direction and kind of just wind it up like a motor. So basically I just wanted uh -huh. it to gearbox, and then I just had forward and backwards control on the Bluetooth controller. Interesting. And then it would wind up the cable from the, from the bower around the, around the pulley on the servo. How do you learn how to like do that? Like to me, like. I, I understand how it's like what a servo is, but I wouldn't know how, like in my mind, I would be like, Oh, I need to like a, an Adreno or a raspberry Pi or something that I can write code on to like, tell it to <laughs> do something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've always been into RC stuff. So a lot of the sort of mechatronic contraptions I'll make, I try to base them around like hobby RC stuff you know, drones or mm -hmm. RC cars or crawlers or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty useful stuff. Like a servo is just a gearbox uh, mm -hmm. with a proportional controller in it. Um, and so basically at that point, I was like, well, I want the gearbox part, but I don't want it to stop after 180 degrees. So I just YouTube, like, how do I make a servo keep going the same direction? Yeah. And then I was like, how do I control a servo with a Bluetooth? And I found a little thing on Amazon that's like servo tester Bluetooth control yeah. thing. <laughs> like. Yeah, a lot of it's just searching for stuff. Yeah, I, I feel like the, that's where the engineering degree comes in handy. It just, uh -huh. it's not that you learn anything. It's not that there's anything in particular that's super important there, but it is a problem solving degree. Yeah. And it teaches you how to think critically. So it makes like solving those problems across a wide variety of genres a little bit easier. Yeah. I think my experience in IT has taught me how to Google the fuck out of shit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like that, like Tilly a joke, but I mean, like that's, that's the God honest truth. Like all the years of like being able to fix anything. It's like, you don't have all that knowledge and there's no way oh, that you can. Of course. But, but if you know how to search, like. Googling is a skill, you, man. Then you're good. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Apparently. Knowing what to search for is half the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, being yeah. able to weed shit out quickly and be like, nope, that's not it. That's not it. That's, this is the right direction. But yeah, that's crazy. So that's cool. So you're working with a couple of different brands. And, um, would, yeah, I just started uh, working with Marin Bikes as well. We have a similar uh, we have a similar relationship as I do with with Jiro, doing some collaboration mm -hmm. videos together, and uh, I'll be going to some events with them as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's rad. I saw on their website the other day, they have like a buy one, get one free on the bikes right now. Yeah, they do. They do. It's some of their uh, hardtails, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. what the heck? That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't expect to love their bikes as much as I, as much as I do. Yeah. Um, I rode one, I rode a couple of them before we started working together. And then now that I've had their new, like I have their, their trail bike, their Rift Zone. Mm. And it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, and I, it's just, uh, with, with my, 
with my channel, I, I'm pretty picky about like the brands I work with. And I tried to find a, a really relatable um, bike brand to work with. I felt like, you know, I could promote a bike in that price range, like the yeah. three, three to $4,000 price range. Yeah, they're really, really economical. They're real economical bikes. Yeah, yeah. The value there, there's a, there's a great value proposition there. Yeah. So, I have a Marine um, uh, gravel bike. Nice. Yeah. Oddly enough, I bought it from Kyle Warner. Do you know who Kyle Warner is? Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did not know when I bought it from him who Kyle Warner is. Oh, really? Was. Yeah. <laughs> did you so buy this it? dude shows up. Huh? Where'd you buy it? Um, on, Craigslist. on Craigslist. Yeah. yeah, on Craigslist. And so this, I was like, man, this is a really good deal on this thing. So, And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I'll bring it by your house. I'm like, I'm like, sweet, this is even better. Like, dude shows up in this sprinter van. I'm like talking to him, and um, he sees all my mountain bikes in the garage. And he's like, Oh, you ride mountain bike? I'm like, yeah, yeah. How about you? He's like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Did we get to talking, and then huh? you, didn't know who, you didn't know who he was before you, before Zero he showed up. even after he told me who he was. He's like, Oh, yeah, I'm a professional downhill racer. I was like, Oh, right on, sweet. And he, you know, just like kind of played it off or whatever. And then as soon as he left, I was like Googling, you know, I was like, oh shit, this guy's legit. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm wild. definitely not a, a person that like follows professionals, you know? And um, I think that's kind of like why I make my content the way that I do. It's like, that stuff's not really super important to me. Like I could care less who won whatever the EWS is or whip bike they're riding like it doesn't really, oh, I really make love that stuff yeah i really what I do you love, enjoy I love the it? athletes i love the athletes i love the skill uh i mean i, I used to be really into racing slalom and downhill I, lo yeah. I love the skill and i love they just ride it's just a different breed they're a different breed yeah yeah it's a different i i don't know exactly what's going on in their head but they look at things yeah. differently than you and i do and yeah. because of that, they can handle a bike differently and make it do things that you and I can't do. And I just, I think yeah, so no, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to me, like in those aspects, you know, or like watching that, like a show, sort of like the pink bike show, wherever they're like, you know, aspiring young racers or whatever, like it's super fun to watch, but it's just definitely not, um, it's not what like makes me decide what bike I want to buy. Like I'll be a hundred percent honest. Like I decide what bike I want to buy by like, first whether or not i like the way it looks you know like then second like okay ride it you know that's great hey i yeah. love it i yeah. love it yeah that's I mean, uh i'm totally a i'm totally a function over form guy i'm also not that great with colors i think my wife thinks i'm colorblind so <laughs> i just did totally kind of discount looks right off the bat i'm like no how does it ride yeah, yeah. <laughs> how does it ride yeah. how much does it cost yeah. What group? Yeah, I, I could care less if it costs more and rides not as good, but if it looks awesome, then I'm like, <laughs> is this great? <laughs> I uh, yeah. Man, I would never admit that, but I give you a lot of respect for, for uh, yeah. just being uh, being honest about that. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, I'm completely ridiculous, but I'm also like super brand loyal. So like, once I lock into one, I'm like, dude, this is all I'm buying. Until something like either severely goes wrong with that brand or somehow I get like, like turned on to another one, you know? So everybody Actually, that watches. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, I am kind of, I'm the same way about, I'm more the same way about like, like athletes. Like I love watching, um, do you know, Mark Matthews? 
Sounds and familiar. His, he rides for Marin and he, he like his POV videos and his trail building videos, just like my absolute favorite things to watch. Yeah. And, and as far as bike content goes. And it, it like it got me hooked on like the Marin brand a few years ago. And I'm like, uh-huh. got to get on those bikes, got on those bikes. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. every time I watch one of his videos, I'm like so psyched to be riding that Marin bikes again. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Are they still based in Marin? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're a global brand now, but yeah, they're based in, based in Marin. Yep. Right on. Have you ever, have you come up to the, um, to their, their spot up here in Marin? Haven't yet. No, no, I yeah. got to get up there. I'm pretty new to California. So, uh, just exploring the state still. Yeah. So you're but down in the LA area, you said? Down in the LA area, just North of LA, but it's a big state and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Driving from here up to you know, Northern California is like me when yeah. I lived in New York, driving down to North Carolina to go ride bikes. I'm like it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I live in, in Sacramento. So, Oh really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so being from Pennsylvania, you know, my family will call and be like, Oh, I'm in San Diego. Do you want to meet me for lunch? I'm like, yeah, next time I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, I'll give you a call. You know, like, like it's totally it's very far away. <laughs> very far away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I've been meaning in, to go down to, to SoCal and do some riding, and I, I just haven't really got a chance, many chances. But last summer, I drove down and went to um, Santa's Village. Have you ridden up there? Oh, yeah. Sky Park. Yeah. That place is super fun. It is super fun. And um, Big Bear right next door is also super fun. Yeah. I, I, um, I could see that, you know, if I lived down there, I would probably only go a couple of times and then I'd be over it because it's super small. But I, I think the thing that I liked about that place was like just how much that they packed into such a small area. Absolutely. And so much of it was like some really good skill building stuff. I I really would love to see something like that be more like the norm for every city to have something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, more public bike parks for sure. I mean, they're not they're not public; they're privately owned. But yeah, yeah, public bike parks like that would be great. But yeah, I mean, even even privately owned. I mean, what would you think that there's no way that all those trails are like maybe on a quarter mile square, like a square quarter mile, maybe a square half mile at the most? It's pretty small. They do fit a lot into that small space. Yeah, it's, it's cool because you're like crossing under and over other trails on your way down. Yeah, yeah, it's just unbelievable how much stuff they have squeezed in there, and um, I don't know. I just thought it was really that's, rad. That's a, would... Yeah, that's a SoCal hotspot for sure. Santa's Village there, and uh, that's like the e-bike. That's like the e-bike park, right? Because there's no lift. Yeah. And then, um, right yeah, I climbed like big... three thousand feet that day on, on the analog bike. I was like, this, I, this is a lot of climbing. <laughs> we always do the uh, the towing thing. We always bring a little little strap, and I tow people up. Nice. E-bike, super fun. I feel like there's some kind of towing gimmick that you could do on your channel. For sure. You know, a, a company just sent me this little thing that like hooks on under your seat. It's like a retractable. Uh huh. Um, it's pretty badass. I gotta, I gotta show that on the channel at some point. Yeah. Somebody else was like, like trolling some something. I like made a post. My buddy was dragging me up the hill with his e-bike, and they were saying about that like potentially like messing up people's droppers because like it's it's like torsional force on the the seat post that 
you wouldn't expect to be there or something. Do you think that's an issue? Uh, I mean, yes, but I also think that the, I mean, droppers are rated for big people to ride them and big people put a lot of force on droppers. I don't really see the towing being more of an issue than just, just a big dude riding bike. Um, yeah. Maybe you've had the big dude riding the bike plus towing another big dude on the analog bike behind them. That might be pushing the limits of what the dropper can do, but these that's days, definitely what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, these days they're all, they're all rebuildable. Yeah. Uh, I'd be more, I'd be more thinking about my drivetrain. Like that's good. Like it's going to eat through chains and cassettes way faster than it does any damage to a dropper post. Yeah. 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 Who knows? I mean, good old internet, man. They they have, you know, it was made for comments, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've never What's... broken a dropper though, and I'm like seat bounce, you know, like seat bouncing off ellipse of and whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. The yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would say the only thing that's come closest to like doing any kind of damage to a dropper would be just like over tightening your seat post or something like that, like your clamp, you know, and maybe screwing it up that way or something. But I, I definitely haven't heard anybody like bending the post so that it didn't go down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty tough to do. I think. I guess a pretty rigid piece of metal, man. You know what I mean? I don't, I would imagine that that top post, you think it's hollow? The top? Yeah. 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 It's, it's hollow. It is okay, but I mean, depending on how thick that wall is, that'd be a lot of, lot of torsion you'd have to be yanking. Well, the thing in with, the thing is with tubing, like most of the, be, the, the difference between a solid bar and a tube of the same diameter, uh, most of the interior part of the solid bar is not providing any additional strength, um, yeah, any additional torsional resistance, versus what's there in the tubing. And in some fact, in some cases, the tubing itself. Is actually the hollow tubing is actually stronger than this solid piece of the same diameter. There you have it, right out of the engineers. <laughs> Freaking golden. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, you got your air chamber inside there, and sometimes you got some damper inside there, so it doesn't hit you in the balls on the way up. But uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an electronic dropper? No, because they don't make them long enough. I yeah. wish that they made a 200. I, if they had a 200, uh, like SRAM made one, I would buy it. Oh, yeah. But just because like, oh, man, it'd be so great just not to have to deal with that cable. And like, if you're doing something, you just take it off and put it right back in. And like, I don't know. I just love the idea of not having the cable. But, what um, what bike what bike do you have now that you're running the dropper on? Uh, I have a Chameleon hardtail. Okay. I have a Bronson and I have a tall boy. We all have a I found, yeah, I did. I was a little frustrated with my 5010 that I was riding for a while dealing with the dropper cable because it comes out kind of high in the yeah. seat tube. And I'm like, yeah. man, I'm losing like 30 mils of dropper yeah. insert here. Do you uh, have the newer, did you have the newer one with the, the suspension like kind of down towards the bottom? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but they kind of route their their cable routing through that. I don't know what you want to call it—the cage that goes around the the, the yeah. suspension. So it, yeah, it definitely pushes it up kind of high. Yeah, but I I run like a two ten dropper usually, and uh, yeah, it's it was yeah, 
It's frustrating. Yeah, I have a 210 in my Tallboy and in my Bronson, but I couldn't fit it in the, the Chameleon. So, But I also didn't like the electronic one because it was too easy to hit the button and pop it up. I kept, oh, like, when really? I do, like, a, a turn down or a table, I'd, like, hit it with the top of my thumb. And I'd be, oh, like, shit. halfway through a jump, and it would pop up. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> not good. So I started... <laughs> I would get to like at, at Sky Park where you climb up. I would climb up and then I'd drop it and I'd take the battery off and put it in my pocket. Oh, so wow. On the way down, I couldn't hit, it wouldn't <laughs> pop up on me. But I did it like four times and once I went over the bars because of it. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. It, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like, you're like, like a time machine, man. You hit the jump and then you land and it's the 90s and your seat is in the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Now you got me paranoid. It's so easy. I mean, which is really nice for trail riding to just yeah, boop, like droppers up because you know some of those levers they're a little bit yeah, kind of kind of push them pretty far. But, yeah, yeah. On the jumps, it was like it was driving me nuts. <laughs> that's funny. What's your what's your favorite thing that you've made? Favorite thing that I've made, um, probably. It was probably the whole Lego series that I did this summer, like mm -hmm. the the pedals and the and the grips and the the seat. Just because, as a kid, I always loved Legos, and I feel like mm -hmm. it, they kind of bring out the kid in, in everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just pretty popular. Um, yeah, fun to see it get shared. I got shared on Pink Bike, and yeah, yeah. that was that was a fun project. Do you still do Legos? You, you have any Legos that you put together? You know, I gave. Oh, I had a lot of Legos and I gave them all to my younger cousins. So I have yeah. just a few these days. I'm not like a, not really like a Lego enthusiast yeah. anymore, but I, I love watching like some of the Lego. Uh oh, we got internet stuck. I don't know if it's you or it's me. Uh oh. How are we doing? Oh, there you are. I was like, is it my internet that just took a shit or is it Brendan's internet that just took a shit? I don't so. know. I think I was good, but I, I, I lost you for a sec. But yeah, it seems yeah. to be back now. Seems like we're both back. So whoever it was, we both paid our bills apparently. So we're good. So yeah, I don't I don't uh, have a lot of Legos anymore, but I do love watching like um, like those Lego engineering channels. Do you ever watch those? Uh -huh. like, no, I've never so, seen like, that. Like uh, they they're like building like a functioning air powered motor out of Legos or like the Lego submarine. Yeah, it's like I don't know, cool. That, that's kind of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. It's such a cool toy. My daughter always buys me like the little like you know fifteen minute sets, kind of for for Christmas or whatever because she doesn't know what else to buy me. So I um I I made this piece of wall art to like kind of display them and then like uh took like a big piece of plywood and we used a cnc and cut out a bunch of squares in it so it's like full of rubik's cubes yeah that are all mixed up and then some of the spots where you could put a rubik's cube instead i printed a shelf that you could just stick in that spot and then it has like a like a little lego like i don't know a little star wars ship or something you know oh that's sick so, yeah yeah i saw this thing like Basically, like this, like I don't know, five foot by five foot piece of art on Etsy that was like you 
like that was um Rubik's cubes like that. I was like, oh wow, that thing's pretty cool. And then I looked at the price and they were like, yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, man. You know, like like there's no way I can buy a piece of of you know particle board at Home Depot and cut this out with a jigsaw if I have to. Unfortunately, I work for a robotics company that machines all their own stuff. So we have lots of cool toys like a CNC. Oh and, nice. Uh, yeah. So um yeah, you should see our machine shop. It's like freaking humongous. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so I went into work and we CNC'd that thing up and that was pretty fun. So that's so sick. So yeah. you're, you're in Sacramento. Do you hang out with um, Joe, the Colorado kid a lot? We don't yeah. hang out. He, he lives pretty close to me. I, I mean, I've ridden with him a couple of times. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll do something together, but like more along the lines of like meeting up for a, group ride or something like that we'll bump into each other but for whatever reason he's actually like pretty busy at least yeah. that's what he tells me <laughs> yeah he's busy grooming his mustache he's, or whatever yeah yeah he's got kids too you know i think between kids and how much time he's you know spends on his his content um i i i would imagine that he doesn't have a lot of free time to go do other things so but yeah yeah he's close by you guys did some collaboration not too long ago. How'd that come come about? Oh, uh, he was down here, down in my area for I think he was meeting up with Worldwide Cyclery, which they're oh, just okay. down, yeah, the yeah. down the street from me. And then so he he uh, crashed at my house for a couple of days. Oh, which, cool. uh, I'll give you I'll give you the same invite if you're ever down in the area. I got uh, we got yeah. a lot of extra space, so come uh, come stay and come ride come ride my bikes. Yeah, I did a video about their shop like way back whenever like they were kind of just starting and i rode what is that something oats oaks something right by there thousand oak thousand oaks? oh yeah thousand oaks that's that's where i live yeah yeah did some little ride like kind of rode up top top of space mountain magic mountain something like that yeah space mountain i was just up there and uh you know two hours ago right before our that's my backyard ride oh right on fun, that's awesome fun little, it's a fun little ride nice climb nice like uh it's like 900 feet of climbing from my house up to the top and then yeah little descent yeah 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 i know it was definitely a good time i did i was in a much different riding shape back then it'd be fun to go down there and kind of smash it now um but uh yeah yeah that, Dude, that, since that was... the elevation is nuts here in california i was my wife's been laughing at me because i um so when we, we moved out here in april and from April to now, I've gained 20 pounds of leg weight. I've been doing like 10,000 feet a week of climbing. And wow. I went to like October came around and started to get a little cool. I went to put my pants on and none of my pants fit. My, oh, my wife was like, damn, you're getting thick. Like <laughs> just like quad and ass weight. Like, yeah, I went from go. 165 to 185 all in leg muscle. I'm oh, like, that's crazy. Nothing fits. Like just so weirdly proportioned now and it's elevation is the elevation is serious out here yeah it's definitely no joke that's for sure i think that um i have to remember that sometimes whenever i'm talking about things to people from different states because um like i have a buddy that uh he lives out here now but he's from i think minnesota so like a big long ride for them like if they had like five or six hundred feet of elevation that that was like a big deal you know, and for me, I'm like, yeah, we, we'll go do 4,000 feet tomorrow. You know, yeah. and it's like people that are from there are like, no, that's like what I ride in a week. You know, <laughs> like, what are yeah. you talking about? 
Yeah. So. Or I'll do, you know, I'll go out for like a quick 30 minute loop and I'll do like two and a half, three miles. <laughs> We're like, how does it take you 30 minutes to do two and a half miles? <laughs> like you don't understand. <laughs> it's going straight up the whole time. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. But then, you know, we, we definitely get, we're fortunate in the aspect of like you can do a big long climb and then you get that all in descent you know it's not like it's fun that. it's fun yeah like when i did that ride back in pennsylvania i i forgot like how the trails were and it's like i went to go like oh i'm gonna climb up this and then it's gonna be all down and it was like no it's not <laughs> you know? yeah no it's up and down and up and down and up and down yeah and, yeah 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 so kind of that um, actually when i was riding a lot in toronto it made me really want a true dropper post one that goes down on its own yeah like because you're every 30 seconds you're sitting down to push the yeah. seat down just to stand up to go down the next hill right yeah, so like, yeah. i wanted just to hit the button have it go down and hit the button have it come back up yeah I think that'd be it that'd be great you know what i want you could build this on your channel i'll let you you, you can you can have my 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 idea rights <laughs> i want a dropper post that you push the button and it folds up and sucks into the tube and the seat is gone like completely gone just gone <laughs> like you, you do you ever see inspector gadget or am i like yeah is that too old like that remember no, you had that helicopter cool. came out of his hat i wanted it to be like <laughs> <laughs> then, no do, you, do you just have the seat tube kind of hanging out there or do you want like a trials bike like flat like no like no yeah just like it just disappears in there it just folds up and goes right into the seat tube and now it's like your top tube comes to the top of your seat tube and that's it there's nothing there nothing in like yeah like like if you just solve the seat post off that's what should be there right flush no no like you don't want like four inches of seat tube sticking up yeah, no, no four inches of, of anal pressure that none yeah. of that. <laughs> what what yeah. made you think of that? What what were you doing? Were you like pumping some rollers or something, trying to scrub something? And you I'll be the honest. The first time I ever had a dropper, it was 125 millimeters. And after, you know, 10 or 15 years of riding mountain bike with the seat always up your rear end, I remember feeling like that 125 millimeters was like like it was fearful because like the seat would you like you you would pinch the seat in between your legs and stuff you know it's like it was gone and i just remember being like this is like so awkward like i don't know how to do this and then have, over time it's like you learn how to use a dropper and then it would just be like i want it to go down more i want it to go down oh, yeah. more and now i'm ha i have a 210 millimeter dropper and i still will find myself on the trail pushing the button and like is it down all the way like i really feel like it could be down a little bit more so it's totally. just completely a joke in my mind. Like push the button, it disappears. Yeah, you know? totally. No, I agree. I mean, I, I ride a dirt jumper a lot and yeah. the seat is below the tire. So yeah. it's like it, when I get back on my trail bike and the seats like, you know, six inches above the tire at its lowest point, it's like, yeah, you feel, it, you notice it, especially yeah. landing from big, like casing something or landing from a big jump where you want to absorb a lot with your knees. Then yeah. you bounce your butt up the seat at the at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of the way. Where it's like, you know, you're going in, like you said, you're doing trials or like I like super like rocky technical kind of riding. Um, totally. and that seat, like sometimes maybe your body is staying in position, but your bike is coming up. So then it's like that yeah. seat gets in the way, you know, and and you're at a, you know, it's steep or something like that. So it's like you can get hung up on that thing. 
So yeah, big yeah, bunny my, hops. Huh? Big bunny hops. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. My my 210 in the tall boy, I think the way that the um the seat post angle is or something like that. I I, I use a um lab oster hip pack and it kind of like it's not like a traditional hip pack where they most hip pack companies like the hip pack kind of goes around like your kidneys and let's just say like your belly button area yeah where the lab oster kind of rides down below your your belly like kind of like on your hips and huh. then the, it has bottles so they hang hang lower and on my tall boy like if i drop my seat down all the way i kind of have to lean forward a little bit to keep my hip pack from hitting the tire but i like that because then i know the seat is down it's down as low as it can possibly go otherwise i'm gonna be dragging my bottles on, on the wheel i want one that spins like the seat spins rapidly as it comes up <laughs> there you go just because i think it would be a great conversation starter right like you're just right, like someone's following you and you're like played. yeah just spins around i feel like you could make that i think i think i can make it happen yeah yeah that would be pretty <laughs> Like that, that would, that would be much easier to create than, than my, my um, disappearing one. So you got anything the, you want me to make? You got, you, got, you got anything you want me to make on the channel coming up? I mean, aside from the disappearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like the disappearing technology. one would probably be like maybe more Colorado kid style. Like he pushes the button and then it's like the, the video, like a little smoke and it's just gone, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But something for you to make. No, I, I think we talked about them all already. I have to come up. I have to give you some other stupid ideas that I come up with. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I did make a Garmin, a Garmin mount recently, though. Cool. We were talking about Garmin earlier. I want here. I'll show you. Hang on, let me grab it real quick. It'll take three D printed. Yep, I um, started doing Zwift because why it's been it raining it rained and rained and rained in california for so long that i like completely got weak and so i was like i need to ride something so i i, I bought or i got a garmin and they hooked me up with a trainer and um i started doing zwift with my gravel bike and while i was doing that it's like i want my phone on on there and not my my garmin right and i want to be able to like you know, sometimes you're in this like a uh, pain cave where you just are watching time somehow slow down. And then other times you're in this like recovery zone where you're like, oh, I'm just spinning. This is super easy. And then at that point, I'm like, my ADD kicks in. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on on Instagram. So I wanted a MagSafe Garmin mount so I could put it in my Garmin cool. mount and then it's just the MagSafe for my mm -hmm. iPhone. So that way, whenever it's on my 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 bike and i'm ready to grab it then i can just this is not going to be like useful for somebody that's actually riding because this magnet is like weak as fuck but um as far as for like my purpose i was really surprised that nobody had something like this for dig it that's great yeah yeah so what did you print it out of um just pet g so nice got one little one little hinge in it so that way you can change the the angle of the that and I kind of put a little bit of an angle off the the Garmin mount just so that your it doesn't hit your stem, right? It's great. But yeah, yeah. That was one of the useless things that I spent my time on. <laughs> a great one. Yeah, but it actually is like something that I use all the time. But you know. 
at the same same as as you am i selling it no <laughs> so what do you what do you have what do you what are you looking forward to where would you like to be in the next couple of years oh and where would i like to be in the next couple of years um i mean i'm looking forward to doing more long-form content um mm -hmm. and because i see i just see the value in that i like the attention span and i think it's a pretty sustainable if it's if done right if you if you can put the time in and be consistent it's a pretty sustainable uh income so i i my goal would be to kind of just keep making the projects bigger and more more technical more ridiculous and mm -hmm. be able to fund that through the youtube channel long form content um you know some adsense some some uh brand deals and uh yeah yeah sponsored videos sort of thing but you know uh like uh colin furs he's always building some crazy vehicle and i'd love to kind of take that same energy and bring it into the uh bring it into the cycling world and yeah um, build some cool bikes build some custom stuff do some ridiculous yeah. projects yeah i got That's some exciting. i'm making some parts out of bike parts out of concrete coming up that should be a pretty cool one <laughs> i got a couple different wheels i want to do a diy um you know those bird spokes with the yeah yeah so i want to do i'm going to do a diy bird spoke wheel i have like paracord uh-huh and then a wheel of chains like all the spokes are bike old bike chains another one nice. so stuff like nice. that um i'm working with a company that's doing 3d printing stuff out of chocolate so mm -hmm. and then make some chocolate uh, bike parts oh that sounds fun that'll be pretty fun <laughs> But yeah, definitely, definitely good stuff to come. So, hey, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to sit down and chat with me. It it uh, means a lot, and it was great chatting with you. You yeah. you um you definitely have some interesting and intriguing content. So, anybody out there that hasn't checked out his stuff, definitely search outside Brendan on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube for that matter. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit the. Uh, the show more button and i got links to that stuff down there as well but brendan like honestly it was a great great time chatting with you i really appreciate it normally yeah, i ask people what um youtube channels that they like to watch but i think you've already told us like five or six of them during the show so it's kind of pointless there's, <laughs> there's so many good ones out there but yeah and uh thanks uh thanks for having me on it's been great and i hope we get to ride uh ride in person sometime yeah, for sure, man. Like I said, or like you said, um, if you ever make your way up to Sacramento, feel free to hit me up. Um, definitely. Uh, we're empty nesters, so we have extra rooms. So, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, lots of good riding up here. And same thing, I'll definitely hit you up whenever I finally get around to making that SoCal trip. So nonetheless, all of you out there listening, thank you very much. Really appreciate you all. All you on Patreon, I appreciate you. And I didn't have my page up, but I did see two new podcast reviews and i really appreciate both of you guys for doing that it means a lot so if you guys want to help out this podcast and help it get the big sponsorship deals like like outside brendan then go over to the apple podcast <laughs> and write a five-star review if you're thinking four-star review don't don't even waste your time it's probably not worth it but uh those of you guys who want something for free, swing by Instagram. You, while you're there, you can check out Outside Brendan, or you could swing by that Biker B1 at Biker B1 and give me a follow over there. Really um, helps keep the motivation high and gives you a little extra content for free 
If you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, the thumbs up, those kind of things. And if all of that doesn't resonate with you and you just want to do something else completely for free, all you have to do is remember it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. Bam. Ha, ha, ha.